It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, how are you? Talk to you. Recorded live. Well, we're starting a little bit, early, <clears throat> a little early, uh, about a minute early. <clears throat> I always like to, to start on time, if not a little bit before, because when I was brought up, <clears throat> I was um, it was a control mechanism. It seemed like that the uh, people in the free will camp they always like to make you wait and wait and wait, and it was a control, it was a mind control thing. And so, anyway, we're going to talk tonight about the church and what are, what is the proper role of the pastor in the church. And Ed really came up with this excellent topic. And I was just explaining to them, you know, I've spent so much time on the salvation issue because I was so taught erroneously the doctrines of Arminian free willism that I was never taught the proper order. I was not taught, taught ecclesiology. I was taught I was taught incorrect eschatology, and it's been a long uh, relearning process. I'm going to turn it over to Ed, let him go through his uh, understanding and his study of it, and then uh, followed by Kevin, and then I think Mark might have just joined us. Is that you, Mark? Hi, Larry. How you doing? How are you? So anyway, what? we'll kind of go in that order. Ed, Kevin, Mark, and if Larry has any questions or whatever. So go ahead, Ed. Okay. First of all, uh, I want to point out that I am by no means uh, an expert. I don't have an expertise in this area. Uh, <clears throat> this is an area that um, I, I, ha- I am very much uh, wanting to study, okay? Uh, this past week, somebody was kind enough to recommend a book. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but it was in a PDF uh, book, and I've been listening to it all week. I'm about three-quarters of the way through. Uh, I have also looked into this topic a, a little bit, and, and the issue is the, this idea of the office of a pastor, not the existence of a pastor, but, but this idea of an office and a title of a pastor. Is that, uh, is that biblical? So let's look at that. First of all, uh, if you were to ask, uh, a pastor, if he was a priest, okay, his answer would undoubtedly be no, okay? He would say, no, I am not a priest, I'm a pastor, okay? So he would deny that he's a priest. Well, if he denies he's a priest, I'm sure he would deny that any member of his church is a priest. And see, therein lies the problem. So here we have a somebody who has the title of a pastor who denies being a priest, and yet in Scripture it is clear, if you read 1 Peter 2.9, that all believers are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And if you look at Revelations 1.6, it states that he has made us kings and priests. So if the pastor denies being a priest, 
and denies any member of his church as a priest. He's denying the priesthood of all believers. And here's the problem. The elevation of a pastor, in my view, is to basically erase this idea of the priesthood of all believers. Because what happens is that the, the believer priests, they come into church and they serve no real function. They sing some songs, but they are rather sedentary, inactive, and simply listen to, a, to the pastor preach. Now, there's a problem with this because the, nobody is there to correct the pastor should he make an error. And let me tell you, I've been in many, 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 many different churches. And they make many, 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 many errors. And the problem is the way the, uh, the ceremony, because that's what it is, is set up, it's impolite to raise your hand and ask a question or ask for clarification or ask for authority or interject some additional um, uh, illumination on an issue. When we have our discussions here, I'm also, I'm always learning things, okay? And that's the way the body of Christ should work. Not everybody is a hand, not everybody's an ear, not everybody's a nose, but yet the, what we have created in the church is, is this dead body with a, with a mouth, and that's it, just the pastor. He's up there, that's it. There's, there is no interaction. And, and, and there lies the problem. I think that basically we have erased this idea of the priesthood of all believers and replaced it with this, this station, this office of pastor. Now, yes, there, there is a scripture which does mention pastors, okay, plural, in the New Testament. Now, there are pastors mentioned in the Old Testament as well, all right, and that's found in Ephesians 4.11. And it says, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, okay? I think that this is not, these are not titles. Uh, these are functions. This is how they function. Uh, we often call Paul the Apostle Paul. Well, his title is not apostle. That's what he was. So he's Paul the apostle, all right? Not apostle Paul, all right? So it's just like it's, it's this idea of a pastor, Pastor Jones, as though it's a title. Uh, you know, he's, he may serve the function of a pastor, all right, such as it is, but to, to the extent that that in, in some way erases the idea of the priesthood of all believers is a real problem, I think. And so the, the way churches function, where you have this, it's a Greek model, where you have elevated on a podium the, the pastor above the flock who talks down to them, okay, because he's the show. Uh, I think that's, that, I don't find that, that model anywhere in the New Testament scripture. I think it's purely the traditions of men. Okay, well, I think that you... 
Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think you make a lot of good points. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, I was thinking as Ed was speaking, I, I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, how it says, How is it, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. And this is, we don't see that freedom in the churches. It's, it's generally a one-man show. Right. And, and the Bible teaches that there should be a multiplicity of elders in, in, in the church so that, yes. the, so that the elders can play off each other and pray for one another for wisdom and to bring the truth and to check one another in, in light of what the congregation might ask or say. Um, that's that's the way the church is supposed to be, and it, it's not that way uh, generally. And like Ed said, you, you, you don't ask any questions until you're filing out the door, and you might ask the pastor if he has time to, you know, when he's not shaking hands with somebody else. <laughs> but it's all structured, uh, yeah. And they give you a bulletin when you come in, and the, everything is outlined in the bulletin as to how the hour or hour and a half will be conducted. And so it's um, it really lacks the spirit there. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my case, I I'm asked sometimes, you know, by what authority do I have to think that I can be an under shepherd, or you know, or even to think. As the scripture says, he that desires the office of a bishop desires a good thing. I mean, if you desire it, you should better well be equipped to carry it out. And I believe that the congregation or even the few that you might be shepherding, they would recognize that you're gifted to teach God's word and and that you're faithful to the scriptures. Um, The other thing that that I have to ask, because I'm questioned often about, is... uh, does the pastor have to be married? Does he have to have a wife and children in submission? Paul says that a man can serve the Lord without distraction, without a wife. And and so I would ask Ed, do you feel that a, a man in the church, a pastor, could be that position in the church without a wife and without children? I think what do you think? So. Um, now, where is the qualification that, that the person, I, I know there's a qualification for something where the person is, is to be the, the husband of, of one wife, it says. Yeah, I think that's in Timothy somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and what was the what was that for? What was that a qualification for? Well, there was, for an elder, and then there was a qualification for a deacon, and they, they were both in Timothy. Okay. All right. And, and, so and that's so, an elder. The elder should be the husband of one wife, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, now, some, some some churches would say that that means the man should only have had one wife his whole life. You know, but but that that destroys the idea of grace and and the the fact that we came out of sin in our conversion, and we might have had many wives prior to our conversion. But mm-hmm. I believe what he's saying there is if, if you're going to minister in the office of that pastor or elder, or, uh, that you would have one wife at, at that time and not have uh, in polygamy in the sense of having more than one wife. You uh-huh. can only have one, yeah. I tend but, to agree with that because, as we know, during the Corinthian church, um, there were still people practicing polygamy at that time. Uh-huh. And and so they 
you know, they were dealing with that issue of polygamy, and I think I think I've read Calvin on that. I've read a number of other people, and I'm not saying that they are right. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people that agree with your interpretation on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I used to hold the other view that it, you know, if a person had had been divorced and and, re, and were, was now remarried, they were not fit to be in the office of a deacon or a you know, or an elder, but I, I don't right. still hold to that because I tend to agree with you that when a person <clears throat> when a person's born again by the Spirit of God, are you going to hold them chargeable for all their past sins? <laughs> you know? No, no, yeah, because old things have passed away and all things have become new. And, right. and it's, it's from that point of view that we should look at the man, that he has mm-hmm. one wife, and that his children are in subjection. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on this before we kind of move on? Oh, yes. Uh, here in First Timothy chapter 3, uh, they don't use the word pastor. They use the word bishop. Okay, so verse 1, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, verse 3, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy or of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, verse 5, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Verse 6, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, yes, I agree with everything that uh, Kevin and Ed said before. Uh, there seems to be this uncritical attitude of church people today. Oh, you went to seminary, so you must know, and I'm just the stupid church person, so I better not ask you any questions, you know. There seems to be that kind of uncritical attitude that, oh, you're you're the pastor, so... I automatically defer to your to your opinion or whatever, you know. It seems to be not a very intelligent attitude. Well, that's a good point. I, I have a few questions that I'd like to ask everybody and maybe to think about, maybe you guys could comment on. Sure. Uh, the first the first question is as it relates to church polity. I mean mm-hmm. uh Again, I guess we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, uh, what was the purpose for God for for God uh, founding the church in the first place, okay? And I believe that the answer has to be rooted and grounded in the fact to glorify himself, not to glorify men. There you and, go. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, you have all of these... Um, uh, forms of church government out there. And by the way, if you do a study on history, uh, yeah. the 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 type of church government actually in, 
also affects the, the, the state government. For an example, we know that Presbyterianism, there was a lot of state um, churches, you know, yes. that actually the churches ran the government, okay? I mean, if we go back to Switzerland, when Calvin was uh, active in Presbyterianism there, I mean, the, the, the church pretty much ruled the government. And yes. so he, yeah, the city fathers were members of the, the church, yeah. And so Presbyterian, there was a lot of errors in their spiritual order. I mean, they had ruling elders and preaching elders. I don't see any... I don't see anything in the Bible that validates sessions. Uh, it's not democratic. It's handled by the top people and the echelons, and then it goes back on up, on up the ladder. And the structure that really is an, is erroneous. The other error, of course, is the Episcopal, um, where deacons are not even considered to be orders of the clergy. I mean, they. Elders and bishops are not. It's it's just all. Um, uh, they believe that the local church is only but one part of a larger national or worldwide church. Mm. And the problem that you know here's the question that I'm going to. Of course, the the third area is congregational structure polity. If I were to pick one of the three, and I'm not sure any of them are actually right, but. I would probably go with the congregational because it's closer to what Ed describes as being representative voice by all the people in the congregation. Mm. Okay. In other words, it's not. And so my question is, because you have to have order, we know that. We can yes. go into we can go into some of these mega we can go into some of these Pentecostal charismatic churches, and it's total anarchy. I mean, there's no yes. order there at all. Right. So you, you have to have a semblance of order. Uh, and so the question is, you know, who who is ultimately, um, how, how do you bring about that order in an orderly fashion where you don't have one person dictating everything else? And I think what Ed is saying is that, and I think, Kevin, you make a really good point. And Proverbs says that, paraphrasing, but in the mouth of many counselors is much wisdom. You know? Yeah. Right, right. So I think... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I just had a question. I, I didn't know. Go ahead and just finish. I, I had a question. Uh, I, was say, I was just going to say that I'm not, I'm not against order, okay? I'm not against... Uh, but I am against... Um, I am against dictatorial powers, like you said. I'm against popery in all forms, whether it's in the form of Presbyterianism sessions, and 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 we know what happened at the Church at Rome because that's exactly what happened. They were the largest church, and they started dictating it over the other churches. And so mm. I can I can see how some of these people come to this thing about ecclesia, the assembly, the local assembly, because they, if you take on the error that the church is, is, you know, universal and invisible, then you lay hold to a world leader of that world church. That's how you ended up with the not only the National Council of Churches, but the World Council of Churches. So I like the idea of local churches like 
the church at Smyrna, the church at Ephesus, the church at Thessalonica, the church at uh, uh, those individual churches. But uh, Ed, you were going to make a comment. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I was looking at First Timothy three ten, and then um, and I was also looking at uh, Titus three one, and in each one of those they refer to offices. You have the office of a bishop in uh, Titus 3.1. Then you have the office of a deacon in 1 Timothy 3.10. So my question is, what does that mean to have the office of a bishop and the office of a deacon? Mm. And, and for, for instance, a bishop, to my understanding, is an overseer, okay? Right. Um, so how... Um, you know, I mean, Christ is the is like the overseer, the bishop of our souls. In yes. 1 Peter two twenty five, we we see that. Okay. Yes. Uh, so what what is this office, and what does that mean? What does it mean to have the an office of a deacon? Is that I, in other words? I, go ahead. I think according to Christ, let's take the bishop first. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think Christ defines that very clearly. I think it's in 20th chapter of Matthew. I'd have to look it up, but he talks. He says, "If you want to be, if you want to be a, if you want to be a leader, I'm paraphrasing. I'll have to look that up. You must be a servant. In right. other words, I think the true, the true office of a, of a, if you want to use the word pastor or bishop, I think they can be interchanged. Uh, the mm-hmm. title means overseer. The Pastor means shepherd. Um, I think that the you know remember when he said he he said unless you become as a little child you cannot enter the kingdom of God and I think that he is saying that a pastor is to protect the flock. I think yes. the pastor is to protect is to point out errors and by rebuking those if they start trying to introduce errors into the church. But they're not supposed to be dictatorial. They right. should have the consent of all of the church body. Yeah. You know, I believe that a pastor is to teach God's word by setting an example and so on, but I don't believe, and I think there is, there are, in other words, there are certain people that are better at administrating things than other people. Somebody has to take care of the finances. I don't know who that, I think that could be deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. One of the reasons they chose deacons was they wanted to give more. There is a scripture that talks about uh, serving the tables and serving the widows. They weren't getting properly served, and so they came up with these deacons to do that to free yeah. up those that labored in the word and, and teaching. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not of the opinion that the congregation should should actually run the church. It's like it's like the children telling the the uh, the parent what he needs to learn. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't know what he needs to learn. So, so yeah. when the when the el- when the elders are in agreement with themselves in what the church should be doing in teaching, then the uh-huh. flock should the flock should follow the 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 elders in that. But we have ch- churches where they decide who the pastor is going to be. They decide everything according to. Their limited understanding in many cases 
mm-hmm. and so that so then you have pastors and deacons all at a level that are far below the spiritual level that that they could be had they recognized mm-hmm. the elders that were appointed over them. I think you're absolutely right on that. In fact, in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, uh, the 17th verse says, obey, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and so, you know, yeah. I think a I know I don't really like the term pat I, because a lot of times the term pastor is is used synonymously with other words that I don't like like reverend okay yeah, but right. but I believe that whatever t- I don't like the term bishop either because of the connotation of the Roman Catholic Church but mm-hmm. I would like the term teacher I think a teacher should have have a maturity they should have they should helpfully guide the flock. Uh, yeah. And should be also held responsible themselves for their own uh, for their own character and their own lives and so on. But yeah. the, other, the other question I have is um, is you know as it relates to how you handle people who are coming up against uh, and, and Scripture gives mandates for excommunication and for disciplining and, and so on. We see that in Corinthians with the man right. caught in incest uh-huh. and so on. Uh, but there has to be some kind of authority there. It can, we can't just say, well, our, our authority is Christ. At some, mm-hmm. at, some juncture, at some juncture, there has to be an organized body that makes decisions in a local assembly or it's going to be total anarchy. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know when when the congregation sees that there's more than just one man that's, that's directing everything, they're more apt to follow along with it because they see the witness that two or three elders are having together over what's being taught and what's being done. And it, it most, makes yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. In the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, there's a song. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, there's a well, there's, there's a psalm that, that reads something like this: God took David from the sheepfold, from the ewes, great with lambs, to guide Israel with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. And mm. so, when God when God takes somebody like that and and then equips them to be a teacher, that's what he's to be doing, whether or not the congregation wants to hear what he has to say. Um, I remember uh, there was a, a, a Dr. Dwayne Spencer. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He used to be on the radio. Uh, in fact, he still is on family radio on the, in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. and they give him a 10 or 15 minute slot. And uh, he brought the reform thinking to his congregation and, and many of them left. But he he continued with it, and then they were edified and they grew. And so we've got to be careful not to let the congregation tell the elder board what what's going to be taught, and you know. Uh, mm. But that that's the the gift that God gives to some men to be in that position, and mm-hmm. blessed, blessed is a congregation when they recognize it and follow along with it. 
Lord, well, Lord. here's what I'm here's what I'm thinking. I, mm-hmm. I look at Matthew uh, chapter 23, and, mm-hmm. and it says that one is your master, even Christ, and all mm-hmm. ye are brethren. And yes. so call no man rabbi. That's right. Yeah. Call no man father. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So when I look at these offices, they mm-hmm. are offices of service, not of rule. Mm-hmm. And no, so um, I don't think that a church should be a top-down hierarchy. And I, I because mm-hmm. the, the, the way I read this, uh, Christ mm-hmm. is the head of the church. He sent mm-hmm. his Holy Spirit and to give us guidance in his scripture. We're to be like noble Bereans and that, yes, there is a priesthood of all of the believers and they should seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit and... Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody has an objection to what's going on in the church, he should be able to voice it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I agree so, with that. And, and, and it should be it should be completely in the open. Uh, yeah. And this idea of you know we're going to have one ruler and an iron fist, and that's the way it's going to be. And if you don't like it, move on. Right. I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Well, I think you're right on. I think that, you know, there's a big difference between having oversight and being an overlord. There you, know? yeah. there you go. Yeah. That is such a good point. I, yeah, that, I, I mean, you said it in a few words, what I was trying to say. Uh-huh. Yeah. The church is not the property of anyone. The church is, Christ is the head of the church right. and not pastor. No one is to seek anything other than doing the will of Christ. Like you said, the Holy Spirit's the only one that's going to reveal that. And he reveals right. that He reveals that through all of his people, including the uh, person that just came to the faith, uh, uh, like a person that's been in the faith maybe 30, 40 years. So yeah. I, you, I think that we tend to have that top-down, it's almost like a corporate mentality. The CEO is the pastor, and everybody falls under the CEO, and I don't think that's really what was intended at all. Um, yeah. In the, and you don't. And by the way, you see very little churches that are 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 mirroring what Ed is conveying here. They're very very few. Most yeah. of them are. Most of them are, especially when you get in the independent Baptist churches where you have. One guy at the top, and everybody just gets in military order and and just steps in line, and he better not say anything against that guy. I don't believe that's scriptural. No, yeah, that's like a corporation, right? Oh. And I don't think that's appropriate for 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 a body of believers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you think about, and that's another question is. Uh, people say, well, there's, there was, I think you have to make a distinction between the Old Testament church because there was a church in the wilderness, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, like, like Ed said, and I'm glad Ed brought it up, is if there were not pastors in the Old Testament, why did Jeremiah, Jeremiah refer to pastors? Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. But... but but the point that I, I'm asking, you know, a lot of people say, well, when did, the, and I'm talking about the New Testament church. I've heard a lot of different views about when the New Testament church started. Some say it started when Christ chose his apostles. Some say mm-hmm. it started at Pentecost. Some say it 
heard it in other places. I'm not so sure it's that big a deal when it started, but the question that I have is um, I believe that he founded the church the same way he formed the heavens and the earth. He spoke it, and it was done. <laughs> okay? Yeah, that's good. In other yeah. words, remember what he said to uh, his when he first started selecting his disciples? He didn't say he didn't go to them and say, "Hey, would you like to be my disciple?" No, he no, said, follow, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me." He, it was a command. Mm-hmm. You know? That is such a good point that is so often That's, missed. Yeah, yeah and it, think about it. Think about it. The, the apostles—they um, barely knew Christ. They just dropped what they were doing immediately and followed him. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that's the power of the Holy Spirit right there. Yes. It's not, he didn't request it. Could you please drop what you're doing and come and follow me? No. He said, <laughs> drop what you're doing and come and follow me. That's right. Uh, and there's this, this attitude about qualifications. Problem, oh, yeah. the, pro- the problem with today's uh, churches is they're so far from the New Testament mandate. In other words, they, it's, I mean, the real mandate of the church is to go make disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. And it, right. doesn't, it doesn't say go and start a recruiting program and recruit people in the seminary and get, get them through seminary so you can ordain them. You know, it's, it's this whole aspect of having to go through a secular institution, a, a four years undergraduate, and then go on to graduate school and get a, Masters or a divinity, it has nothing to do with the Bible. Yeah, right. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. No. The people right. in the congregation automatically will defer to that. Oh, well, you've been to seminary, so you are the one that knows, so I'm going to automatically defer to your opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, my, my experience has been, in fact, I just recently heard uh, a fella who was on public broadcasting, and I forget his name, and he's a, a doctor of history, and he teaches at the, I believe it's uh, a university in Carolina. I don't know whether it's North Carolina or South Carolina. And he teaches in the religious studies department, and he just wrote a book on Christianity. Well, he talks about how he had been prior an evangelical Christian, and how he turned from it because he couldn't reconcile. He said, what, 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 what destroyed everything for me is when I studied Greek and he- Hebrew. And he said, when I, started, when I started studying Greek and Hebrew, it annihilated what I'd been taught just by reading the scriptures. Isn't that interesting? Well, the people that, that, that is the interesting. People the people that were teaching Greek and Hebrew were probably as as opposed to the scriptures as he now is. Okay. Right. Wow. And so it's just like Ed is saying, you know, I've heard Ed say this and when Ed first said it I thought, Whoa, that's pretty strong but you know, the the longer I evaluate what Ed says about Strong's concordance, a lot of people they they make Strong's Concordance as sacred as their Scofield Reference Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, mm. and so if you can't take, look, if God doesn't have the ability to preserve his word, 
uh, and we can't accept his word uh, as being preserved in the King James Version of the Bible, we might as well, I think we just throw it in the trash. I mean, yeah. because once we start down that road of questioning everything, that's that's where this fellow, now this fellow now is a proclaimed atheist. He doesn't even, he has no faith. He doesn't even believe that God really exists. Wow. He thinks it's, it's a great story, and he thinks it's a great uh, mythology, but he doesn't, you know, after coming out and saying he was, well, he, I don't believe he was ever, he, well, he was never born again. That's Probably. Right. Yeah, that's right. And and by the way, un- unfortunately, there's no hope for him from what the Bible says. He who has right. tasted, he who has tasted uh, of the waters, and then turns and rejects Christ after, have, you know mm-hmm. that. E, yeah, there's it says no it, second chance. It says it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because they've seen everything, and uh, there's nothing more they could see that would yeah. persuade them. So, and I've I've come across people like that. I've come across people that have converted to Judaism and so forth and I just wow it just shakes you to think mm-hmm. that there's just no hope they, I mean they don't understand that yeah, right. there is no hope I mean they may understand that at some point yeah you all see a parallel here with the uh, reoccurring hello do you all see a parallel reoccurring uh team with our uh it's become uh a government top to the bottom as opposed yeah. to grassroots going to the top mm-hmm. and the same with the churches that, that you, you all have been talking about it's the same kind of thing and we're the we're the we're the result of that we're we're, we're the ones that have to suffer and deal with that that yeah. wicked government just like the wicked churches we really don't want to go to. Right. You know, that's such a good point. You know, the, um, I I can't tell you how many churches I've been to and it's, you know, after a while it's so frustrating. And then Mm -hmm. I realize it's, it's the very structure. The structure is messed up. And so Mm -hmm. you're never going to, if it's not a biblical structure, it's not going to, there's not going to be any fulfillment there. Right. Yep. See what, what's happening. That you, you've heard of the word consensus. They 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 take the consensus of the congregation of what they think or what they feel the interpretation should be to a scripture, and then whatever they can come to in agreement with, that becomes the policy of the church. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's totally backwards. You know, it has to. It does have to come from the top down, or it doesn't come. You know, right. it's, it's, and a lot of these guys who are who are the ministers, they're very skilled orators, right. and that's like their profession. That's what they do. It's the Greek model, mm-hmm. and the the better the orator, the more they'll gather people into the church to have a larger church and so forth. But yes. mm-hmm. but they 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 may not, and oftentimes are not preaching the gospel. No, that's right. Exactly. And they have all kinds of programs and everything else. The other thing, they're not only just skilled orators, they also have a a very strong compulsion to be preeminent. Like, uh, no, they're seeking for preeminence. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
happy if they're not charged, if they're not, uh-huh. they can't sit in the back seat and listen and be instructed. You know, I think that every pastor, I think every pastor should have to sit at least once a month and listen to people preach to him. That would be good. Sure. In the row. Yeah. In the you'd never row. go. You'd never go for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be out of a job in no time because they yeah. would discover they would dis- there would be people up there saying things that he won't agree with. Okay, what's he gonna mm-hmm. do? Mm-hmm. And by the way, people if they're Berean about it, they'll check and see. Hey, the pastor's yeah. wrong. This guy's right because it'll bring it to an issue. It'll bring it to a head. Oh yeah. You said it right there. People people are just not Berean in nature. Yeah. You know, yeah. naturally unborean. Because that, that is a natural the, the, check and, and balance right there. You, there you go. There you go. Exactly. That's the natural yeah. check which is missing in the yeah, church. That, that, wonderful. Wonderful. And oh, yeah. and if it was if it was a multiplicity of elders, that that would be corrected. One one would, you know, yeah. check the other. Yeah. Yeah. Which which they don't have now. Yeah. Right. Right. And the thing yeah. is when you when you try to politely point out something like something basic like, hey, how about uh using God's word, the King James Bible, and you state the reasons why and then you get mm-hmm. no response, they don't care to hear from you. No. They don't care to hear from you. That's their job, that's their congregation, and they don't care to be corrected. They don't uh, want to yeah. hear it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, uh, someone floated, was that you, Ed, that, that brought up, uh, floated an email about the Arminian is, has another Jesus and so forth. And, you know, I can't, I can't agree enough with that. I, I really have come to the conclusion that, that the grand uh, illusion or the great illusion or delusion is that of, of uh, free willism, yeah. I, I really, you know, yeah. I know it, to most people sure. it'd be like splitting hairs and oh no, it's not that; it's something over here. But no, I, I've I've been deliberating uh, on this for a long time, and I think I think this is where God really cuts the, cut, you know, uh, divides the, the wheat from the chaff here when it comes I, to. I, I think I think you're right, and I think Larry hit the nail on the head a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, when he said. Basically, we all started out as Bereans. I mean, that's what we're saved from. We all started out as Arminian. Arminian. I, I'm sorry, Arminian. I meant to say Arminian. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean yeah, to say nice that. to end up yeah. as Berean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but we all started out as Arminian. And mm-hmm. once saved, okay, now it's complete submission to the will of God. Yes. yes. Whereas yeah. Arminianism is my will comes first. Yeah, it's the it's, same it a lie. Gospel. It's a different gospel. It's a different Jesus. And it's the same lie that Satan really put on Eve all the way back to the, the garden. Mm-hmm. It's yes. the same thing. And it, yes. nobody nobody generally yes. just caught on to that same old lie. And that is, by the way, the majority view in the church. Yeah, the, the the sovereign grace view is the minority view. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, take all you have to do is look at what the Southern Baptist Convention has gone through with the Reformed Baptists 
they have terribly persecuted the Reformed Baptists. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they don't want any. They don't want them. It's mm-hmm. basically. Uh, it's really interesting the politics, and I'm not. I'm. I'm not elevating the Reformed Baptists in any way. I. Um, but the Reformed Baptists basically hold to, uh, you know, the the sovereign grace. Uh, the the you know I don't want to say Calvinism, but the five points of grace I'll call them. And mm-hmm. uh, you know the the um, the Southern Baptists are Arminian completely. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know I think that goes back to another question, and that is, we look at history, the perpetuity of the true church is there. It it, it has never gone away. See that's mm-hmm. the problem. That's the problem with the Reformation is it denied the perpetuity of the church. It reformed, it was seeking to reform something that could not be reformed. You can't reform error. And so you have the, you have this group that never went into Rome. You have the Albigenses, the Lollards, and I'm not saying they were perfect, but what I'm saying is they never subscribed to the Roman Catholic uh, lie. And so we have. I'm not saying that there is a. Uh, I'm not, I, perpetuity is different than those that say that we can succession. I'm not talking about succession. I'm. I'm just saying that God has always had since the New Testament church started. There's always been a true church. Yes. Now, when when you're saying perpetuity, right? Right. 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 And well, you know, the I, idea, the idea that you're getting across is that there always has been the true church uh, that is, it's always there. That's right. It's, a, it's a basically, it's basically and, and, a universal, i.e., a Catholic church. Yeah, the, the perpetuity of the church, what it does, now there was times when it was very, very small. I mean, I don't know. It may have been very, just a few hundred people, you know. But the point is, they they were holding to Scripture. They weren't deviating from the Word of God, you know. And that and you can go back to the New Testament churches, uh, even though they didn't agree with every detail of doctrine and practice. I mean, if you take uh, like Corinth, Galatia, Thyatira, uh, and those, um, they had obvious errors, but mm-hmm. they still never went into Roman Catholicism. And by the way, that um, they all held the same doctrine. One, they they all held that Christ had to be the founder and the only head of the church. That the Bible be the rule of their faith and practice, not some other man-made creed. Uh, If you're going to be a member of, of Christ's body, you have to be born again. Okay, you can't just, you know. In other words, you you have to you have to subscribe uh, to Christ's teachings. You can't just come in and just want to be a part of a social club, and that mm-hmm. that's what I'm about. Because I think a lot of the church, well, and back to the, I'm not picking on Southern Baptists, but Southern Baptists, you know, they have like 18 million p- members in the United States. And they'll tell you, I mean, any Southern Baptist, large Southern Baptist pastor will tell you, if he has 2,000 members, he usually has 600 show up for service. Wow. Okay. 
It's there's fourteen hundred out there. Just they never come until it's time for the business meeting to vote. Okay. Uh, or if they're going to have their fire robes or whatever, you know. And but so you know, what you, want, you want to know something. Uh, the you have to ask. You know, with what I've seen in church, I can't blame them for not showing up. Well, that's that's the whole point because they have so deviated from the Word of God. They're using, you know, they're studying C.S. Lewis in their Sunday schools. They're, they're hey, talking, hey. you know, they're talking about they're denying the virgin birth. That they they're using, you know, corrupted translations of the Bible. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah, and so you have to once you deviate from the Word of God as your foundational principle and Christ being the head of the church, once you deviate from that and you go into para-church organizations and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. mission boards, all of this stuff, it's all about money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure numbers alone, though, in their group, sure numbers alone, they can't get back to the elementary point right. that God makes in his word that the wide path and many are on it and the narrow road that leads to everlasting life and few beyond it, few find it. They never right. get back to that and that's, that's, that's self-evident. That's that is so self-evident. So, yeah. yeah. The big they churches. love their huge congregation and the preacher, he, he, he pretty much, uh, pretty much, what's the word I'm looking for? He just encourages this by by virtue, well, lack of virtue of the filthy lucre that he's garnering from these mm-hmm. suckers. I mean, churchgoers. I mean, uh, well, any word but that. Yeah, not right. well, that's, that's a good point. But the, and, and these pastors, they're, they're keen mathematicians because if you're going to have a big church, you're going to have to have a message for the wide way to destruction. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Don't want to go there. None of us want to go there. God's shown us. That's one of the evidences of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Apparently evidence that he hasn't given to them. And that's the way we know we're in Christ and we're born again is a slow, yeah. subtle God's way of giving us evidence to our salvation. Not an instant pudding, name it and claim it, walk down the aisle, sign a card, Except Jesus right now formula that isn't in the book, but God's way is he'll gradually give you evidence of your salvation. They don't have time for that. That's not fast enough for them. Instant pudding salvation. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what was that, Mark? What? I Pudding? I do think salvation. It's definitely salvation, yeah. 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 I, was, I was reading. I was reading this morning in, uh, I think it was uh, Exodus when God was giving the law to Israel mm-hmm. after they came out of Egypt, and and he was Moses was calling for material to to be donated of the free will of the people to right. to bring so they could build the tabernacle and, and everything. And then it, mm-hmm. it says it, it says in one place, okay, I have enough. Don't, don't bring any more. We have more than we need. 
And I thought, yeah. when do you when do you ever hear that in a church? <laughs> that is such a great point. Yes, yes. Yeah. What have you ever? Yes. What have you ever heard the pastor say? Hey, listen, stop giving. We're not going to take any. We exactly. have enough money. That is such a great point. Never you happens. Know? No. Even no. Esau. Even Esau told his brother Jacob, who was trying to make restitution. He was trying to give him all those flocks and everything because he thought Esau mm-hmm. with four hundred men were going to take mm-hmm. his head off. He and Esau, you know, hugged his brother and. You know, and Jacob's surprised, okay. and and Jacob wants to give him all these flocks and everything, and Esau says, "I have enough, my brother." And and and, and even Esau was was hated of God, but he right. had enough. He knew when to quit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, he persecuted the, his brother always. It, it says. Amalek, his grandson, and, and that whole family were persecuted oh, yeah. Israel. But the thing was, Jacob was so scared, he just yielded to the flesh, you know. But yeah. God God touched Esau's heart to just give him favor, and otherwise he never would, you know. What was the other passage where you said that we have enough? The first one you mentioned. Um, okay, I, I read that in um, Exodus just uh, either yesterday, because I'm reading oh, okay. through the Bible. I read through the Bible in a year, and uh, mm-hmm. it it was somewhere around Exodus thirty five, thirty six, or thirty seven, somewhere in there. And, and, and basically, they said, "Okay, we have enough. That's it." Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You never yeah. hear that, and you know, you know that these churches have enough. Sure. Yeah. But they never. Sure. It's insatiable. They never stop asking. That's right. Yeah. Well, they have. They also have their five hundred one c three. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. That gives so that's what, that's what to preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear me, but um, in Second uh, Corinthians, the thirteenth chapter, Paul brings up some of the points that you guys are making. He says in the first verse, he says, "This is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's he's showing right there that there shouldn't be one person up in front making all the um, decisions and everything. At least three people should be in in <laughs> agreement on something. Okay. And he also yeah. now where says, is that passage? Where was that? In Second Corinthians, the thirteenth chapter, the first verse. He says, this is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Mm-hmm. That, that latter he, part uh, 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 originates in, uh, in the book of the law, in Exodus and uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It talks about two or three witnesses in regard to judgment, mm-hmm. judging a brother that may have fl- fleed to a city of refuge or what, whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Another really interesting uh, interesting verse in that chapter 13. And when I first read it, I thought, he can't, he can't be saying that. And then the, I read it about four times, and, it, and, and I had another guy point this out to me too. But verse 8, he says, we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's such a good point. 
Well, that's what we all do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Compared to the to the rest out there that don't. Right. I don't think they know what they're doing or not doing myself. But. Right. Yeah, I like the verse that says, this is the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. in, other, in other words, as the scripture reads, that's that's how he died. And, it, mm-hmm. and of course, we know that he died for his people. And that's right. That's right. And that's what it means they have another Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. right, Kevin. Yeah. That's right, right, Kevin. Because it says yeah. in verse 5, he says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. But Amen. I trust that you'll know that we are not reprobate. Okay? Yes, yeah, right. But anyway, well, listen, uh, I think this has been a really profitable, it's been very profitable for me because uh, I think we have we have such it's like ed said there's such a overwhelming i mean if you if you look at the number of churches in the united states and how they're ran uh you know i think of all the years and years and years i was in armenian churches and nobody ever knew how decisions were being made in the church because you didn't you didn't think you didn't think once about confronting someone about what right. they were teaching, or you were you were just out on your ear. You know what I mean? You were you were just extra. Sure. They may not have excommunicated you uh, in in an orderly way, but they certainly defellowshipped you in every other way because you yeah. just ask a question. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyway, uh, we're coming up on the top of the hour. I want to. Uh, uh, I'm Chris, I'm really glad you could join us tonight. We missed you last uh, last week. Um, uh, Chris, do you ha- you didn't get a chance to really? I mean, you, you when we started out, everybody kind of gave their view of the church and and the leadership and what would be an ideal situation for a church, how it should be orchestrated. Why don't you give your thoughts about that real quick? Well, we're not going to get a church till we get to go home. There's the church, and that's comprised of the real believers that Jesus did bleed and die for and loves to the end. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't go to a church today. I might go to Michael Smith's church if if and when I come and visit. Yeah, uh, that would be good. And, uh, Kevin, if you know of any church worth its salt, uh, you're you're but 85 miles south of me i'd come down there and visit but for the most part i have there's 30 churches where i live and i wouldn't i've searched them all Mm -hmm. out and they'd either spiritually cut my head off if i gave them the chance i don't want to fold into that i I already know and the closest one to truth Mm -hmm. actually this is the closest to truth and they're so they're so far away they they just want to exalt that that phony state of Israel over and above Jesus Christ. Mm. No, there's I, a, I really there's, I, there's, I, a PCA, there's a PCA I, church in Glendale that that sings the Psalms. They don't sing any contemporary Christian hymns or singing. They have the Psalms only, and and they're pretty good in their theology. 
but they're in Glendale. They're they're quite a ways from me. Yeah, that's pretty far from Long Beach. Yeah. yeah. What is what does PCH mean? PCA Presbyterian Church in America. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I will tell you that you know, as far as the, the and I'm not picking on PCA. I'm just telling you what I know about them. Uh, their overall doctrine is really, they've really gone downhill because now they are ordaining women in their churches. Oh, my. And, yeah, and they now are, are are really letting women rule the roost, so to speak. That's that's the other issue you get into in a lot of these churches. They, they've, uh-huh. they've, let, they've let down the, you know, in other words, anything goes, and that includes women, in, in membership, women preaching and, and everything else. And so there has, there has, once you deviate from Scripture, that's why Scripture in Second Timothy, you know, it says, I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority yeah. over the man. That's you know, right. yeah. Yeah. and I really think that the churches today, I think that they're, they're so, they're, the true church of Christ, like Chris said, is so in the minority and the reason that we kind of overstate and maybe overcondemn the church in an overgeneralized way is because that's what our society is. And so mm-hmm. it's so hard. It's so hard to find the genuine. You know, I mean, it's like they, you take a, a real twenty dollar bill and you mm-hmm. put it beside the counterfeit. You can see the difference, okay? And sure. that's what we're saying. And I think this discussion. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Larry, I have a question. What do you, what can you say about the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church? Do you, do you know well, anything no. Yeah, I do. In fact, uh, I used to attend a Reformed Presbyterian Church, and that oh. elder, that teaching elder now is in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And again, oh. you know, he um, his name is Terry Dowds. He's on Sermon Audio. You can check out his messages. There's nothing to hide. He's a public oh. figure, Terry. Dowd's Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Iowa, and he was the elder of the Shawnee Presbyterian Reformed Church, um, North America, and they let him go because he was adamantly at that time teaching the doctrine of reprobation. And now, though, I just heard him in a sermon uh, about four years ago, and he has totally changed his position now. He said, and he's, you can listen to it on Sermon Audio, he says, I don't see any relevance in talking about election to other people. Oh, wow. Oh, my. So so then he's he, <clears throat> he, he's willing to let them think they have free will then. That, that's basically yeah. what, yeah. He's, right. He's, what's, what's his name, said, Terry Dowd? Terry Dowds, D-O-W-D-S, and he's on Sermon Audio. Oh, he knows okay. quite well. I was a member of his church. Mm-hmm. I left his church. We, Rosette Mark and I left his church. We were members of that church. We left over the issue of infant baptism, okay? Okay, right, right. Oh, you know wow. the Orthodox, all the Presbyterians are, are adamant infant baptizers, and they say they don't yeah. believe in baptismal regeneration, but if you read the doctrine of their covenantal mm-hmm. baptism, if it isn't if it isn't baptismal regeneration, I don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. They count them as covenant. They're covenant children. But, yes. but then, if you ask them, well, what covenant do you mean? And then, of course, it has to be salvation. Yeah. Well, it's 
Eaglesma from the Protestant Reformed Presbyterian Church. He says, God saves in lines of generation. And I, I, I asked, I've asked the Protestant Reformed Church, I go, well, that, that doesn't hold true with Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. They were in lines of generation. Yes. yes you yeah. know, well, I, I've, read, I've read their literature, and they do account for the, the election, and, and they say that it has to be the elect children of believing parents. They, they Hoke, do specify that. Hoxima has done a lot of good writing. I like Hoxima. I've got his systematic on mm-hmm. his reformed dogmatics, especially on, on superlapsarianism. I, I agree with him wholeheartedly mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. But the challenge that they get into is like you said, when you get into the discussion on this covenantal, uh, this children and the covenant thing, mm-hmm. it's to me, it's getting away from. They don't want to talk about individual salvation, you know. They want in a way. They're they're also, uh, you know, from my understanding, their eschatology. And I don't want to get off on that, but anyway. Um, yeah. I think that the church, the true church of Christ, and not not the disciples of Christ. I'm talking about the true church of God mm-hmm. is a is a very small remnant, and and it's a, like I just said, it's only going to be uh, apparent, okay, at the marriage of the Lamb. You know, yes. it's you invisible. Know. This world, it's it's a subset of the visible church. Right, and, it, and a lot of people say, "Well, you can't you can't say the church is invisible because you can't see it." Well, you right. know, we cannot. You know, it's like I used to tell the people in the Primitive Baptist Church. You know, I don't have an election meter. I can't go around zapping people and tell you whether they're elect or not. Right, but I can, right. but can I can by their confession of faith determine whether they are adhering to the Scripture or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well one, other, one other thing. It, it's chapter 36 of Exodus. That That's where it talks about the people bringing too much stuff. Yeah, right, you can, fantastic. Okay, okay yeah, thank you. That. Sure. Well, guys, we've gone over. It's four minutes after seven. I'm going to just uh, uh, ask if anyone else has any comments. And by the way, I want to thank Ed for bringing this topic to the fore. Thank you, Ed, because I was needing... I was running out of ideas for topics, so if anybody sends the topic, uh, we'll pro- you know, as, as, if it's an appropriate topic, we'll probably jump on it. So, uh, thanks, Ed, for doing that. Um, does anybody have any final comments before we close this out? I guess that's no. no yeah. I guess yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, uh, you all have a good week. You got, and I told, I, I was kidding around with Michael Smith. My, my wife is always saying, uh, "Have a good night's sleep," and I, uh-huh. I, I said, "That's an Arminian statement." <laughs> okay. Yeah, right, right, right. Now, is his family doing okay now? I know they were very sick for a while. Yeah, yeah, they they're back to health. They're doing very well. And Ed wanted me yeah. to give everyone um, your okay. his regards. We're going to be having a fellowship here uh, up in May the 19th. Everybody's invited, and Michael wants everybody to know, anyone that comes out, they have an open forum to ask any questions or speak anything. They're, they're hard, so, you know, it's an open so, All right, well, with that, um, you guys have a, <laughs> you know, I, I 
Michael said, every time I tell someone, God bless you, you know, I think, are you playing the Pope? You can't bless somebody else. Okay? Right, right. Yeah, it seems like everything we say can be a question in one way or another. Yeah. Okay. I, I knew a, I knew him. I loved it because he – but – Okay, well, God bless, brothers. Lord willing, next week. Okay. May God, God, may okay. God bless. Yeah, yeah, may God bless us, right. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. God bless you, Kevin. Good night. Chris, God bless you, Ed. Good night. Is that you, Mark? Yes, yes. Mark, I don't know what happened. We had a nice fellowship when we were talking uh, yeah, I know, a few weeks ago, but it must have dropped or something. Maybe Larry turned off the uh, – what is your phone number? So we don't have to go through this forum, and we could, or I can give you my phone number or what, what have you. Uh, you know what? Well. Uh, uh, Anyway, if you if you don't if you have a you have a phone number, right? Or do you? I have a phone number. It's five six two. Hold on, brother. Let me write it down. I probably had it once. I just didn't get time to enter it into my phone. Five six two. Five six two. I'm at five six two two nine six, and I'm at zero seven six four. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.